I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar, and before we get started with the t- today's podcast, I wanted to share with you a few announcements about what's going on in the Womb Centered Healing Temple. As you may have listened to in previous announcements, I've been working on the Biomystical Womb book, and that book has birthed another book, the um, Herbal Womb Wellness Workbook. And that book is now available for pre-order through Indiegogo. So I'll be sharing the links the link to pre-order your copy of that book, and I'll be sharing um podcast episodes uh, exclusively about that that book uh, coming soon. So keep an eye out for those podcasts. And I also want to share that I've revived uh, the first podcast that I created, um, which was all about sharing about my poetry. And I've uh, updated that podcast name to be writing from the womb. So there's a second podcast that you can listen to if you like this podcast. The Writing from the Womb podcast focuses on authors and poets who are womb-centered in their writing and in their writing process. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that podcast. You can find it on Anchor and all the other, um, and YouTube and all the other podcast platforms that you find this one on. And then the third thing I want to announce is that the second cohort of the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship will be starting on October 31st. And you can find out more about that. We're super excited. We have a whole graduating class of mentors that are graduating who attended the first 13-month apprenticeship program and are graduating as mentors to support the new apprentices coming in for this second cohort. So you can learn more about that by going to wombcenteredhealing.com. And I really hope to see you uh, in one of these um 
places very, very soon. So um, those are the announcements for now. And this is for fall um, 2020. And I welcome you to the podcast and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Salma Morningstar and I have uh, Corinne Poulin here uh, with me today, uh, Dr. Corinne Poulin, who is a naturopathic doctor who was reaching out to folks about being on their podcast and sharing about women's health. And I said, this is the podcast for you, Corinne. Welcome, welcome. Um, And I'm super excited to talk with you today, Corinne, that you've shared a little bit before we got started about your journey with um, reproductive health, your personal journey with reproductive health and how that changed over the years as your career, uh, your medical career sort of moved towards um, more holistic natural approaches and you became a naturopath. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that, especially your relationship with hormonal birth control and how it affected your your whole life uh, in different ways and and what as a naturopath you have started to share with your patients about that and you know the transition between being on hormonal birth control and and getting back to the natural cycle and fertility awareness and alternatives to hormonal birth control for for um, for birth control. You know, I'm sure you have some good things to say about that. And then also your journey with becoming a mom and how to support yourself and therefore your, your customers, your, your patients and your clients um, through the process of becoming moms and especially the postpartum period. I'm super excited to, to explore all of these topics with you. So I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself and um, share with us you know, maybe, maybe you can share with us how you got started with this transition towards more holistic medicine and women's health. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about all of this too, especially with your listeners and your audience. I just think it's such a great joint kind of collaboration for us. Um, So like you were saying, I started out in the medical field. I was actually pursuing pharmacy pharmacy degree. Um, I worked in a pharmacy for about eight years um, in high school and all through college and then even up till um, starting medical school. And I just was not seeing people get better. So um, thankfully we had a natural store attached with some vitamin supplements, homeopathy. And I got put out there one summer um, to go take over for a while. She was going to go on vacation and she helped show me a little bit And that's where my love of natural medicine started. She had um, her customers come in and they were vibrant. They were radiant. They weren't on the 10 medications on the other side of the store. They were taking some vitamins and everything. And those people were so happy. And you can see it in their face and the whites of their eyes that they were healthy. Um, And that's kind of where I shifted. When I started naturopathic medical school, I went to one of the five accredited in the U.S., Um, and that was in Arizona. So moving to Arizona, um, I knew I loved natural medicine, but I didn't quite know exactly what to expect. I knew it was going to be a rigorous program, Um, but as soon as I started learning, you know, even the simple like biochemistry classes that we started with, anatomy and physiology, we really deep dived further than like any undergrad program did, and that's whenever I started to realize, 
wow, like the things that we're going to be able to do with what God has given us through nature is incredible. Um, when my personal journey started with that natural medicine, um, I got off birth control whenever I realized, you know, that it wasn't just a quick fix. It wasn't just um, a seamless pill without side effects, that there were a lot of nutrient depletions happening that I didn't know about, um, that it actually stopped ovulation in my body. It stops that connection from your brain to your ovaries. And when I realized that, I was like, wow, this, this doesn't seem like the women's empowerment pill that people crack it up to be, basically. Um, they say it's women's, women's empowerment, you know, to have that control over your body. But at the same time, it's like you're giving that up for the ease, the ease of it. Um, and I feel like you're not as connected with your body. You're not as connected with your brain to your ovaries. Like learning about all that and getting off of birth control helped me develop better as not only a woman um, and regulating my cycles and learning more about myself in that way, um, but also in the dating world too. Um, we, learn, we learn crazy things and there's research done about how birth control changes your pheromones or your hormones that kind of you put out, like the smell you put out or the smells that attract you, the type of men that you're attracted to. So when you're dating on birth control, it can shift when you get off birth control how attracted you are to your partner, which boggles my mind. It, it, it's just something that I find fascinating, um, how this wee little pill that you take every day um, can change so much. It can change so much. And that's really where I deep dived into women's medicine. Wow. So this is fascinating. There's a couple of things that you mentioned there that I'd like to tickle out into the conversation a little bit. I was rambling. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, um, because, you know, my, my journey with birth control pills only lasted a few years um, in my late teens and early 20s before I, without going to medical school or learning any of these things that you described, I could feel in my body that it was not healthy for me. And I wanted to learn a different way. And um, I noticed symptoms like weight gain and just a general emotional unease, right? I was not feeling healthy and well, which is odd because the amount of holistic healing that I've done now, I wasn't, my baseline wasn't healthy and well to begin with at that point. I realized that once. But, right? But, the pill on top of it, I could, I could feel an even greater degree of unwellness um, mm -hmm. that, that I wasn't, that, that wasn't normal for me. I mean, there was already a baseline of unwellness <laughs> that I wasn't really aware of back then. And but I think then, that, I think that goes for a lot of teenagers that get yes. put on birth control. They're not eating the best, you know, they don't have good sleep schedules and whatnot. So to put on top of that a total shift in your hormones and just that brain ovary connection. Unfortunately, I believe that is part of the reason why we're seeing infertility become such a problem and not, not infertility. I would say fertility struggles mm -hmm. um, because I, I truly believe you can really just by giving the body what it needs, help create a fertile environment. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a shame that 
the doctors are so nonchalant with the prescriptions. Oh, you have acne, you know, it might clear up if we just give you some birth control. Oh, you're having some bad cramps and stuff. It might clear up if we give you some birth control. And it's kind of like a one-stop shop fix it all. And really they need to be looking at, you know, do you have PCOS? Is this kind of a different problem? Is this endometriosis? You know, and these are all kind of things that we can deal with naturally without having to be on birth control long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, when you said, when you talked about women's empowerment, mm-hmm. that really stood out for me because the pill uh, was designed to be, to, it was billed as being this empowering thing because it would allow women to live their lives like men back in the first wave of feminism that was saying, okay, let's um, reject and control everything that makes women different than men, right? Mm -hmm. And try to make our lives align with this masculine way of living life with no periods and, you know, not having anything. So, that's still, even though so much of mo- modern women's empowerment is about, wait a second here, you know, j- trying to be like men is not the most empowering thing for women. Mm-hmm. Um, because that means rejecting everything that it, that's central to being a woman and disempowering us from having this amazing superpower of being able to generate new life, not just in the way of having a baby, but in generating tremendous creative um, ideas and uh, creative projects and all this wonderful way, all these wonderful ways, healing energy, tremendous healing energy, I feel, arises from a healthy womb space. Mm-hmm. And tremendous creative energy and, and this ability to nurture and care for other people and families and communities arises out of a healthy cycling womb space. It's a force of nature. And so this whole idea of controlling that superpower by suppressing it and stopping it from happening is just ludicrous when we look at it that way. And yet we can see how in the, in the early needs of the feminist movement for women to have the same rights and privileges as men, that that initial movement towards, okay, we wanna be more like men in order to have those rights and privileges, it made sense. But, but now we're like, wait a second, and we wanna have this, we wanna have the superpower of you know, being, having a healthy womb and all of that that offers. And in fact, our lives depend on that. If we're going to survive as a species, we really need to reactivate and re-empower this womb power that's in all of us, regardless of gender, to be oriented towards generating life, right? We need to be generating life. We don't need to be suppressing and controlling the natural flow of life. We need to be nurturing that and getting it flowing and really reawakening that creative um, life generative power that we have in, inside of us. Now you got me really going. I'm supposed to be asking. <laughs> it's great. No, I'm trying to, I'm trying to jump in because I am so in agreement with you. And honestly, our cycles as women, 
can show so much into our health, not just in our wombs, but in our whole bodies. And I really consider your female cycle like a fifth vital sign. Mm -hmm. It's just as important as your blood pressure, your heart rate, you know, your temperature, your body weight and, and everything. How that fluctuates and how you're having uh, your cycle, whether it's on time and, you know, you're really paying attention to it, um, how your um, mucus is changing throughout the month, how much you're bleeding, how thick and how clotty and the color. I talk about all of this with my clients because it's important and it shows so much just by talking about it and looking into that. Um, and I think it's such a shame that we're missing that part of the education um, in young females. So. Have you, are you familiar with the book, The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Hendrickson Jack? I haven't read that one, no. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I've interviewed, her, I've interviewed her twice. Okay. Okay. She's written a whole book, very scientific research oriented because yeah. she wanted to back up all of these claims that you just said with all the research. So she compiled all the research about it, put this book together, beautiful piece of work. Um, so it's called the fifth vital sign by Lisa Hendrickson Jack. And I recommend it all the time. Um, and there's two of my podcast episodes, uh, at least two, maybe more, uh, where I interviewed her about her work. Um, because as you may be aware, uh, listeners are, but this might be new to you. Part of a big, big part of my work is also really listening in great detail to the messages that the womb is giving us through the menstrual cycle as a vital sign. And so I've, I'm getting ready to publish, I don't know if you know, but I'd love for, for you to be aware of it for, to perhaps help your, you with your clients. Uh, it's called the Herbal Womb Wellness Workbook. And oh. so um, it's gonna be, and, and that's based on the training that I've received as a vaginal steam facilitator. Um, and using principles of Chinese medicine and the different imbalances that, that Chinese medicine talks about, like dampness, basically about the elements and how the elements are in the body, how the fluids are flowing, right? So whether it's we don't have enough or too much fluids, whether it's blood or mucus, right? So dampness, dryness, stagnation, um, <clears throat> deficient we, we actually learn we learn tcm yeah um, mm -hmm. as part of our training so right you know looking into that pulse looking into those pulses looking mm -hmm. at color of blood and showing if that's stagnation or if it's healthy or if it's cold yes. so that sounds amazing so i'll need to I need yeah to so this workbook is is set up so that you can there's a full assessment of all of those things in the workbook. So I think it would be a great handbook for you to have available for your, for your people because they can self-assess. They can go back and say, okay, how, what was it like this month? How did it change after these supplements and these herbs that uh, Dr. Poulin, you know, recommended for me? How is it changing? You know what I mean? And so it's a great handbook. And then I also combine the and I'm sure this would be a great topic for you to share about because there's a lot of emotional um, and, and spiritual uh, stuff that gets suppressed in this same way, you know, and, and I'm sure in naturopathic medicine, I'd love to hear your take on this uh, because I know in, in Chinese medicine and um, other more holistic approaches to healing, we, we recognize that the physical body 
is not just an empty machine separate from the psyche and the emotional body, which somebody else has to deal with over here. No, energetic overlay all together as an integrated whole. And a lot of um, medical Western medical doctors try to separate everything out as separate parts and treat the body like this empty machine. And, and it's just not that it, we can't, you know, and, and so I was just doing a talk about this this morning about how psychosomatic used to be used as something to dismiss a physical ailment. If it had any, if it had any psychological components or emotional components to it at all, especially for women, it was doctors would say, oh, that's just in your head. Mm -hmm. That's just your go to go see the psychologist for that. Well, it's probably good to see a psychologist. still happening. I bet. I bet. Clients come to me say, I was just dismissed. They said, oh, you know, that's normal. Oh, it'll go away. Oh, that's not really happening. And it still blows my mind Mm -hmm. how frequently people are having these run-ins with doctors that just think they're all knowing even about someone else's body and experiences. And I really put that on my clients and patients is that, you know, you know yourself better than anyone, including me. Mm-hmm. I might know, you know, the normal cycle or the uh, physiological processes and how things are supposed to work and how I can help, you know, you feel better, but I can't tell you whether or not you're feeling something. I can't tell you whether or not how something affects you. And that's really where um, that client relationship comes in. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about how the pill uh, interferes with the brain ovary connection. And so we've kind of been veering towards that piece of the conversation here. And I'd love to hear more about that. And um, because there's so much, there's so much um, lack of awareness. I mean, my, my husband works in mental health and I, I guarantee you that if at least half of the, those women that he's helping in the mental health had been taught how to track their cycles and hadn't been given Mm-hmm. hormonal birth control or whatever it was that paid attention to these things that we're um, trying to bring back into people's awareness that there a lot of their mental health uh, difficulties would be alleviated and I'm really curious about what your experience personal experience and with your clients has been about that yeah um personally thankfully I was on birth control like you were a, a few years at the very tail end of my teen years and then um, as I got into my twenties, I learned early on, I wasn't on it for decades. Like some people are put on super early and they just don't know any better. Um, so I'm, am grateful for that because that can affect fertility in the future. Um, but learning more about it on the science side of things, how a natural cycle occurs is you have hormones released from your brain that go to your ovary and tell you which time of your cycle it is. So should we be building up that lining to be making, um, you know, a nice cushy space for a potential baby to come that another hormone gets released to tell, you know, ovulation, you know, drop that egg in, hopefully something happens. And then if nothing does, then it starts to die off and then it starts all over, you know, that's whenever you have your bleeding and then you start all over, you start to build it up. But without that brain connection, you're having a false bleed. So with most birth control pills, you're basically having a withdrawal bleed because they have you on steady um, amounts of estrogen, progesterone, and it's synthetic form. So typically it's the progestin, which doesn't look like progesterone. 
And as you may know, progesterone in its natural form, whenever our bodies are producing it, um, that's really the hormone that makes you feel good about yourself and your body. It can relieve um, anxiety and depression, um, and it can also really help with sleep. And so whenever women get into those menopausal years and that progesterone starts to drop again, you'll start to see doctors give hormone, bioidentical hormones. And that's whenever they start to say, oh, okay, now I can sleep better. You know, I'm not as anxious because they're getting that progesterone that their body was needing. When we take that out, when we have that synthetic form in birth control, it's making your body think that it's there. So it stops any, um, any kind of fertilization opportunities. And then whenever you have that week where either you're not taking the pill or it's your last week of like the blue pills or the fake pills, then that's just a withdrawal bleed. So basically it's your system kind of saying, oh, okay, there's, there's no hormones. We don't know what to do. Okay, let's just bleed. It's not necessarily a true period. You're not ovulating. So that's where, that's where so, it's So it hasn't even, so, so that, whatever that hormone is, the synthetic hormone cocktail yeah. in these pills, um, it's tricking your brain to thinking, oh, I don't have to produce the hormones because they're already here, right? Yes. And, but it's not really giving your body the right hormones. No, and that feedback, loop, that feedback loop that's supposed to happen, you know, goes to your brain, okay, this is high, let's start to drop it. Okay, this is low, let's start to bring it up. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. And that's why doctors do prescribe it, you know, for PCOS or for um, hormone irregularities, because it masks the problem. It puts you at that baseline of, okay, we're taking this amount every single day. We're going to shush the body, no matter what it's trying to tell you. And this is where we're going to be. And some females get better, but when they get off the pill, they're having the same issues, if not a little bit worse, because it was just suppressing their symptoms. Or sometimes a lot worse. Um, I've heard that story too, uh, <laughs> but so so what's it? What it's doing is tricking the brain so it stops producing your normal hormones, mm -hmm. and and it's not really doing having the effects that the normal hormones would have. So you're not building up the endometrial lining, you're not ovulating, you're not um, having that feedback loop, and then actually shedding a full endometrial lining. Everything's just sort of in this stasis state. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's a trick. It's a it's facade. A, yeah. You're, you're facade. Facade. Yeah. And so, so it's, and I love what you said about shushing the body, because if we look at what you were saying about the menstrual cycle being a vital sign, if, if there are um, painful or difficult menstrual symptoms, they're a sign of hormonal imbalances, which could come from all kinds of um, things like, you know, poor dietary choices or, you know, not even poor choices, just not even knowing. Or if your liver's detoxing the excess out properly, like that's a huge one. And that's almost sometimes an easy fix than getting someone off birth control because herbs, oh, man, you know about herbs and herbs yeah. are wonderful things and they can really help along with, you know, some nutrients or drinking some teas and everything. And mm -hmm. it can make a world of difference. Oh my goodness. Dandelion. I mean, dandelion root coffee as a, as a substitute for regular coffee is so medicinal and people don't even realize it. They think it's this like 
sad substitute. Dandy blend? Are you talking about the dandy blend? Or any kind of, any yeah. brand of it where you're, where it's dandelion and chicory root. Mm -hmm. It just is so supportive for, for the liver to mm -hmm. get that stagnation of energy. And not only, and I love talking about the liver because it's not just about the blood stagnation. It's also about the emotional stagnation, particularly around anger from mm -hmm. Chinese medicine, uh, you know, it becomes clear that anger is the energy associated with the liver. And when, and I don't know about you, but in my family, it wasn't safe for me as a, as a young girl and as a woman to feel or express any kind of anger because that would, you know, anger the adults that I wasn't allowed to feel anger and anger in women typically societally is, is very much suppressed and disallowed. Um, and shamed, you know, uh, being an angry woman is, is a very different thing than being an angry man. It's a way that, again, uh, women have been disempowered and, and um, it's been used. If, if a woman is angry, she's automatically invalidated by, by the mainstream societal viewpoints. And so that suppression of anger directly suppresses our liver and the flow of our ability to um, clear out that extra hormones yeah. and detox and that leads to skin issues and gut issues and period issues and as you well know womb issues mm -hmm. yeah so so you started learning about all this as you were learning about the supplements when you're probably still in the pharmacy you probably talked to <clears throat> plenty of people who came in who'd been using supplements at, to help themselves and we're feeling more vibrant because of it you probably that's probably what piqued your interest to start studying a different approach to medicine mm -hmm. um and and then you got off the pill yourself what are some of the alternatives to for actual birth control you know because the the being able to understand our fertility is the real empowerment that that the pill has been masking of like really being able to understand our fertility and make conscious choices about whether or not we're going to have a baby at any given time in our life and this is this is an ancient wisdom that that women have had in the past but that has been suppressed um by patriarchal approaches to medicine and the, and the persecution of midwives and herbalists over the years who were the keepers of that wisdom and so i'm curious what you started to discover about that for yourself and what you work with your clients and patients on for for natural more healthy approaches to birth control yeah um so first and foremost always tracking your cycle um, and it's so easy. I feel like nowadays because there's so many apps to choose from to do that. Um, so typically whenever I ask, oh, hey, when was your last cycle? When, when did your last period start? You know, they pull out their phone. They say, oh, it started this day, this month. How long did you bleed? Not everything. So tracking your cycle is one of them. Um, other alternatives, you know, condoms are the easy, cheap form. Um, there's cervical caps and, and there's also diaphragms with spermicide um, as actual like barrier methods. Um, but other than that, you can also be tracking other things like your basal body temperature, um, your cervical mucus to see exactly when your fertile window is and then avoiding intercourse during that time or using those other forms of contraception during that time. Mm -hmm. And have you, I imagine you've had a number of 
patients, well, yourself included, but patients and clients who you've helped successfully come off birth control and still be empowered about their fertility. Um, and perhaps there was even some recovery process of regaining that healthy, vibrant, fertile cycle. Can you tell us some stories from your personal experience or what you've seen as tendencies in, in clients around that? Like, what do people feel most um, confident about in setting up, uh, you know, in this kind of uh, fertile fertility awareness? I hope that question's making sense. Yeah. Um, so I would say some of them come to me, you know, when they're out of a relationship or when they just ended a relationship and they say, you know, I'm here, I'm ready for this now because I want to figure this out before I get into another relationship. Mm -hmm. Great. That's a great time to do it because, you know, you have that wiggle room to find that time and to get in tune with your body and everything. Um, otherwise, you know, if they're still in a relationship, if they still want to pursue that, then it kind of changes things because it does, it takes time to get these methods down and to understand your cycle, uh, without having those scares. Um, so making sure, you know, that you're tracking properly, um, you have different people like do graphs or they do charts, um, depending on what they're tracking. And then um, we kind of talk about that. There's a lot of Facebook groups actually about fertility awareness methods and everything where people can share and learn more from other people. Um, but really the biggest thing for me I see when people are coming off is that one, we need to detox. And two, we need to really rebuild those nutrients that have been depleted. Um, and those are the top two things that I really start with, with them. Um, and after, you know, after those few months, if they are doing, you know, and working with me well, they report feeling a lot better. You know, they have more energy, their skin's actually clearer. Um, they're sleeping better. Their mood is just crazy different. They're not as moody. They're not having as much anxious thoughts. Um, they're not feeling down in the dumps as much. So really switching that to letting your body take over and do what it's supposed to, mm -hmm. um, I think is a beautiful thing. And I think it helps women understand more about themselves whenever they take that step to kind of come off of it and build, the, build themselves back up. Mm. And so do you mostly use herbs or other nutritional supplements too, to support that detox process and that re-nourishment process? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a lot of vitamins and minerals too. Mm -hmm. So making sure, you know, a good multi is on board, um, whether or not we need some extra liver kind of um, support too, mm -hmm. um, in like glutathione form and just kind of running those pathways to break detoxing, those detoxing pathways down. Um, but then herbs, herbs are always a great thing, um, especially to help you know, re-regulate those hormones. And then another huge thing that I really start with and end with and um, make a big focus on with each of my clients is diet. Um, Diet-wise, what you can be doing. I have had such success teaching people how to seed cycle um, with their hormones and just eating different seeds throughout different parts of your cycle to kind of help regulate your hormones too is key. Mm. Beautiful. I, so many people have been talking more and more about seed cycling. Um, so that's, that's a wonderful practice. I mean, you can just do a, a Google search nowadays about seed cycling and get a number of good blog articles where people outline exactly which seeds. To it's super easy to do. Time. You just go to the store, get a couple seeds, and then plop them in like your salads or your smoothies or your hand, whatever. And I find that to be easy compliance with mm -hmm. people because 
it's something that they can fit into their day. Everyone eats every day. So you can always add in these certain foods. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another thing is obviously healthy fats because healthy fats go and make all of our hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, So making sure we have enough of those Mm -hmm. in our diets too. I really kind of educate people on that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I imagine you were, you learned this along the way as you were going through school and, and finding some balance, but it doesn't sound like you had any big, um, huge imbalances or whatever imbalances you had, you know, seemed to be fairly mellow. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear about your birth journey, becoming a mom. And because oftentimes that really jumpstarts people's, uh, realization that this this womb fertility thing is is a thing it's a big deal (laughs) you know we have this amazing superpower and it takes a lot out of people you know i mean talk about needing to replenish nutritionally afterwards i'd love to hear what you discovered along the way as a new mom uh, for the postpartum period if you weren't already aware of it and and how that has informed wh- how you support your clients and patients? Sure thing. Um, postpartum's tough. I mean, there's no way around it. It's also the best time because you are with your baby 24-7 pretty much. And, you know, you're just loving on them, you're selling them. Sometimes you don't know what to do with yourself or the baby or why you're still bleeding. So, I mean, I'm glad that I read up on these things or, you know, learned some of these things in school before I went through it. Mm. Um, I would say my number one thing that was super helpful for me, just comfort wise postpartum, uh, were pad sickles that I made, um, beforehand because you don't want to make them after you give birth. So I, I made them a couple weeks before I was due. Um, I took pads, opened them up and I just squirted some witch hazel on them. Um, you can add some herbs in there, some healing herbs, and then you fold them back up and you stick them in the freezer and then they are ready to go whenever you need them because you're going to be bleeding a lot after, um, you get birth. So wearing pads and then also those depends or diapers or whatever, getting those is helpful too. Um, and that coolness just helps soothe, especially if you tear, um, it helps soothe, you know, those wounds or just like how much basically went on down there. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was my number one thing. My friend sent me some herbs for, um, vaginal steaming, but unfortunately they never came. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. She sent me them and then I never got them. So that fell by the wayside and I would have loved to do that. And I want to do that with my next one. And I think you can actually share more about that. And you probably have on some previous podcasts of that, that I've heard such amazing things about. Yeah, indeed. In fact, um, there is a podcast that I did with the midwife who's the consulting midwife for um, Steamy Chick. Uh, And they did a a big research project uh, with postpartum moms and vaginal steaming, which is another one of my podcasts that that listeners and that you might want to go and revisit and find. Um, because this was a, a powerful research project. And one of the one of the challenges that vaginal steam practitioners and and people who want to learn, you know, do do vaginal steaming for themselves run into is that a lot of doctors and a lot of professional, you know, health professionals in women's health will discredit vaginal steaming as a as a valid, you know, saying it's not a valid practice because there's not any research. Well, 
um, that shows that it's a valid practice. Well, there's tons of things that medical doctors do and don't do that is not based on research. <laughs> so, and this is just, right? And this is just a, this is just a continued, you know, um, suppression and invalidation of practices that are very empowering. And the reason there isn't any research is because it, you can do vaginal steaming with pots and pans you have in your kitchen and herbs that you're growing in the garden or you pick up at the grocery store. That's not store. a profitable industry. It's but. not, you can't patent it. There's no, you know, like, yeah, the drug companies aren't going to fund, you know, vaginal steaming research. So, so part of the, um, the podcast that I did was, was to promote the, the sort of crowdfunding approach to this mm -hmm. research project that they did where people who want to see this research to support this work were contributing to the project. And, um, and it showed significant results that, that uh, yeah. postpartum, vaginal steaming postpartum is a really excellent way to facilitate and speed up the healing process for the mom. And, and it's so important to, pay attention to the mom. Cause as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, oftentimes what happens is once the mom gives birth, suddenly all of the focus of the doctors and everybody, all the care professionals, the family, everyone is focusing on the baby. And yet the mom has gone through this huge transition and, and powerful process that has really changed her from the inside out. And she really needs uh, a lot of support to be able to continue to show up fully. And this is why a lot of moms end up with postpartum depression and like that. And if, we, if you're so depleted, because it's a big output of energy through pregnancy really birth, <laughs> and, and nutrients are being poured into. And if you, if there were any nutrient imbalances during the pregnancy, and then you give birth to that baby, there's, uh, there's, it's exacerbated. And if you don't have a skilled postpartum care provider, that's, you know, making sure that you have the right nutrients at the right times in your postpartum, or if you haven't learned about that yourself and set that up for yourself with your meal train or whoever it is, uh, you know, there's whole herbal traditions for postpartum care. So I'd love to hear more about what you did implement. I heard you, you the vaginal steaming hasn't quite got, got up and running yeah. yet for you, but, yeah. but um, what did you implement besides the, I mean, this, these uh, padsicles are wonderful. I, I learned about that as a doula. Um, I haven't had kids myself, but uh, I've recommended that practice, but I'm curious what other nutritional things that you did to replenish yourself and what you recommend for your um, patients and clients. Along the lines of not having enough research or claims to back it up um, is also placenta encapsulation. Mm. Um, and that's something that I did do. And I think 100% had such an impact on me still having um, you know, good mood, stabilization, um, nutrients and everything, because that's a whole organ that you grow along with baby. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's amazing in itself. But then to have the opportunity to also get those nutrients back for mm -hmm. yourself um, is another really cool thing that I was lucky enough to have the opportunity. And I think, you know, it does show a lot of promising, you know, outcomes and everything of lowered postpartum depression, um, increased um, time of healing, um, higher bonds with baby and um, dad and family members. 
um, and just getting your energy back more quickly um, with using that. And I definitely saw that myself. Well, you know, how much research do we need? Because every other mammal eats their placenta. Mm -hmm. Every single one. Some cultures have like a special dinner where they invite, you know, their family over and they saute or they make a bake out of a placenta and they share it with their family. And it's this tradition of, you know, almost holiness of, you know, I, I made this and it's like a offer to your family and everything too. So. Yeah. Although I would disagree with that as a, you know, because here it is, the mother is giving to the family, right? I would want the family to be giving to her and, for her to eat every last, have every last morsel of that big nutrient output that she made, that she gave to that placenta to have every piece of it back for her own healing and and recovery, not to dismiss any of those cultural. I agree. I wasn't about, I wasn't about to share my placenta. I wasn't about to share my placenta. No, no. You, even though I I wasn't about to clear them by any means. No. Yeah. <laughs> he can have a sip of breast milk, but that's it. You get the whole placenta, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was lucky enough that uh, the doula that did mine, she left a tincture too with some of it. And mm. so I still have that. And some people keep those, you know, um, throughout their lives and they'll use it in menopausal or like after like a year, if they're mm. feeling a dip, they'll start to use it again, which is mm. awesome to have. It, that is awesome. Beautiful. Well, listen, um, our time has flown by. And so I'd love for you to share um, if folks want to get in touch with you, find out about your services, or if there's any um, programs that you have available now or in the near future that you could give us a heads up about, please do share about how folks can get in touch with you and and what you have. So I actually launched my own telehealth naturopathic counseling business throughout all of this. Mm. Um, so I'm accepting clients nationwide um, right now. And you can look more into that at www.lonestarnaturalhealth.com. Mm. And I named it Lone Star because I'm currently in Texas and that's the Lone Star state. So uh, find me at lonestarnaturalhealth.com. And then um, also on social media and stuff, it's at Dr. Poulin. So D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-U-L-I-N. And you can follow me there for, you know, just ongoing some health tips and whatnot. Beautiful. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. And are there any last words of wisdom for uh, Optimum Women's Health that you have to share? Uh, Just trust yourself. Trust your body. Um, You know yourself better than anyone. So trust yourself. Mm. Thank you so much. That's a message that we just can't hear enough nowadays to counteract all of the messages that say the exact opposite of that, that, that a lot of us receive time and again. So thank you so much for, for speaking that into reality, into existence and reminding us of that. All right. Well, um, yeah, lovely to talk with you and listeners know you can Find out more about what's on offer at the Womb Centered Healing Temple um, at wombcenteredhealing.com. I'm also going to put the link to pre-order the Herbal Womb Wellness Workbook in the show notes here um, for those of you who might be intrigued about getting a hold of a copy of that. And um, yeah, looking forward to next time. Perhaps there'll be a next time with Dr. Pruitt. And um, certainly with all of you listeners. So that's all for now. 
until next time.